0: Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, a number of years ago, a man named Gary Chapman wrote a book titled, The Five Love Languages. The idea behind the book is that people have different ways of expressing their their love to others. Some use words of affirmation, for others it's quality time, some like giving gifts, for others it's physical touch, and there's also acts of service. Now, I haven't read the book, the book personally, so I can't tell you if the book is any good. However, Chapman is certainly onto something that in a relationship, people want to feel loved. They want to know that they are loved. A husband wants to know that his, his wife loves him. And the wife wants to feel the love of her husband. As Proverbs 30 says, under three things the earth trembles under four things it cannot bear up, and one of those things is an unloved woman who is married. Now You might be wondering why I bring this up now, especially to start a sermon on the Lord's Supper. Well, as we know from various passages in Scripture, the church is the bride of Christ. Christ is our husband. We're going to be working with this image that I've the relationship between Christ and His church, Christ being the bridegroom, the church being the bride, in the sermon this afternoon, also as we study the Lord's Supper. So we hope to see the Lord's Supper pictures something of that relationship to us. And, and for good reason, the, the sacraments, including the Lord's Supper, are a, a visible representation of the gospel message. And part of that gospel message is that the church is the bride of Christ bought with the blood of Christ. And the Lord's Supper is also one way that Christ the bridegroom communicates his love to his bride, the church. So this afternoon I preach you God's word under the following theme. In the Lord's Supper, Christ assures his bride, the church, that she is one with her husband. And we'll look at three things. First of all, the reality of this relationship. And second, uh, the saving benefits of this relationship. And third, and finally, uh, the the future of this relationship, or possibly, I could also say, the growth of this relationship. So, first of all, we'll look at the reality of this relationship. And the reality that the church is a bride of Christ is seen in passages such as our reading from Ephesians 5. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, he gives instructions for marriage in this passage. But while he does this, he keeps referencing, referring to the relationship between Christ and his church, also to give instruction on marriage. Husbands, for example, are to love their wives as Christ loved his church. And wives are to submit to their husbands as a church submits to Christ. And as he references the mystery of marriage, where he, he quotes from the Old Testament, he adds, I'm talking about Christ and his church. A man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his, his wife, they will become one flesh. Now, in order to see the connection between the Lord's Supper and Christ's relationship to His Bride, the Church, we're going to start by homing in on one particular phrase found in Lord's Day 28. So, in question and answer 76, we read, What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink His shed blood? It means, second of all, to be united more and more to Christ's sacred body, through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. We are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. Does that sound, does that phrase sound familiar to you? Well, if it does, it's because it's found in Scripture. Scripture you remember where these words are from genesis 2 and the creation of eve god put uh, god had created adam adam named the animals but there was no helper fit for adam and so god put adam into a deep sleep and he took a rib from adam's side and from adam's own body God created a wife for his son, Adam. And that's similar, and and Adam responded when when he saw Eve. This is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. He was delighted in his bride. And this is similar to Christ and the church. Christ also is God's son. In fact, Christ is the new Adam. And the church as a bride of the new Adam is, we could say, the new Eve. Just as the first Eve was created from Adam's own body, so the church is created from Christ's body. God has given us life through the body of Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit. And so now much of what Scripture describes about marriage can, can also be applied to, to Christ and the church. For example, Scripture says that in marriage, husband and wife are one. And so we can say also, most emphatically, that Christ and his church are one. Think of what we read from Ephesians 5. Listen to verses 29 to 32. No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and takes care of it, just as Christ does a church, for we are members of his body. Then the Holy Spirit quotes from Genesis 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And then he adds, this mystery is great, but I'm actually speaking with reference to Christ and the church. There we see Christ and his church are one, as husband and wife are one. Just as God has joined together husband and wife, so he's joined together Christ and the church. We are members of his body. Christ is our head. We become one flesh. And think about what Christ says about husband and wife in Matthew 19. Uh, There, the Lord Jesus also quotes from Genesis 2 saying that a man shall leave his father and mother and will be united with his wife, the two will become one flesh. And Christ adds, so husband and wife are no longer two, but one flesh. That's how it is with Christ and his church. And we see this pictured in the Lord's Supper also. In the Lord's Supper, when we, whenever we celebrate it, we, we eat the bread and drink the wine. Symbols of Christ's body and blood. And as Christ said in our reading from Luke 22, He said, This is my body which is given for you. Christ gave His body so that the church might receive life through that body. As we read in 1 Corinthians 11, The bread which we break and the cup of blessing which we bless is a participation in the body and blood of Christ. You see that the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, they are proclaiming a message. They're proclaiming the reality that we as the church are one with Christ. We are joined to Him. We are members of His body. We need to be assured of this relationship. It gives us stability to our faith. Think of a A man and a woman in a relationship. If two people are just living together without being married, as so many in our country do, there's no assurance that the relationship will last. You would always be concerned that the other person would just walk out of the relationship and you would be left all alone. The same goes when there is easy divorce as there is in our country. There's no assurance that the relationship will last. But it's different with Christ and his bride, the church. Christ is committed to staying with his bride, and he proclaims to us through the Lord's Supper as well, my people, you belong to me, I'm one with you. Christ assures us also through the Lord's Supper that The relationship between Him and the church is real and will last. This is also why Lord's Day 29 says, Christ wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge that through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in His true body and blood as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of Him. That brings us to our second point. So, having seen the reality of our relationship to Christ, also pictured through the Lord's Supper, we should now look at the saving benefits we receive through this relationship. We also want to see how this is pictured in the Lord's Supper as well. So, let's, first of all, let's see what Christ did to gain the church as his bride. And here we can turn to Ephesians 5 again. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Its Savior. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Right? Christ, our head, gave his own life to save his church, to save us. He died for his bride. And he didn't die for his church so that his bride would perish. No, he died to give us eternal life so that we would live in a relationship of love with him forever. and This is the love of Christ for us, his church. He went to extreme lengths to gain his bride. And when a young man loves a woman, he'll do many things to secure a relationship with her. Maybe even doing things he wouldn't normally do. The men who are married among us, think of the things you did in order to secure a relationship with your wife. And as a, for a biblical example, think of the patriarch Jacob working seven years to marry Rachel. He wanted his bride, and so he made sacrifices in order to gain his bride. And yet the love of Jacob for Rachel in no way compares to the love of Christ for us, his church. He completely laid down his life for us. He gave up everything in order to gain us. He suffered and died in our place to make us his own forever. And he assures us of his love for us in this way, in the Lord's Supper. In the supper, Christ is declaring to his church, Look, my bride and my broken body and my shed blood. I did this for you. I loved you even when you were sinful to make you mine. I did this for you to make you perfect, to give you eternal life. It took me dying on a cross, taking the wrath of God in your place, As we confess in Lord's Day 28, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of Him. And with this command, He gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was His body offered for me and His blood poured out for me on the cross. We See, the love of Christ for his church proclaimed in the Lord's Supper. We see that Christ died to save his bride from death. He died to unite us with him. Remember, we partake in the body and blood of the Lord by faith. We become one with Christ. Christ. And this union with Christ, it changes our status in in many profound ways. Think of what happens when a man and a woman get married. They now have everything in common. The wife takes on the last name of her husband. They now share each other's possessions. They unite their bank accounts. If she has debts and he is well-to-do, our debts are now paid. And it's through this union with Christ, our head, that we share in all of Christ's riches. He has paid the debt for his bride. And we can now take on the status of our husband. Since Christ is the head of the church and we are one with him, God the Father can now look at us through the, through the lens of our Lord Jesus. And this is why we can confess what we do in Lord's Day 29. Why does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood? Or the new covenant in his blood? And why does Paul speak of a participation in the body and blood of Christ? One thing is, it's it's because Christ wants to also assure us by this visible sign and pledge that all his suffering and all his obedience are certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. Christ is the head of his church, his bride. So we take on the status of our husband. We share in his righteousness, his perfection. It's like sharing in your spouse's bank account. If your spouse is really poor, then you are really poor. Your spouse is really rich. You are really rich. Well, guess what? Christ is rich. He shares with his bride his righteousness, his life. And he gives us access to heaven. If Christ has access to heaven, does not his bride also have access? Of course. The bride was chosen by God the Father himself. And so we have access to heaven through Christ. We take on the status and riches of Christ through our union with him. And Christ also continues to care for his bride from heaven. And also through the Lord's Supper. As we read in read in Ephesians 5, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Right? Each time, also, we hear the preaching of the word, Christ is taking care of his body. Each time we partake of the Lord's Supper, Christ is also nourishing his body. He's nourishing our faith. He's nourishing our love for our God. He's nourishing our spiritual life. As we confess in Lord's Day 28, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. Brings us to our last point which is the future of this relationship or or the growth of this relationship. Now, having seen the reality of our relationship to Christ and the saving benefits of our, of our relationship to Him, we're also going to look at the future or growth of this relationship, also as it's proclaimed in the Lord's Supper. We can look at the future in terms of, of this life and also the life to come. In terms of this life and the, we're going to focus mainly on the church. You know, when we think of the past in terms of our relationship to Christ, mostly we focus on what Christ has done for his church. There, and that's good, there's good reason for that. Christ in history, he died on the cross to make us his own. He rose from the dead. That's what Christ did in history. He gave himself up for us. But it's only fitting now that We, the church, now respond in love to Christ. That's one of the purposes of Christ dying for his bride, so that the church would in turn love him. Ephesians 5 teaches us this when it says, Christ gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify the church and present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and blameless. This is one of the goals of Christ dying for us, so that we would become holy and blameless. This is also a fitting response to Christ. Christ died to cleanse us from wickedness. He died to remove not only our punishment, but also to remove sin's power. We could live for God and live holy lives. We show our love for Christ to our head also by submitting to him. The church submits to Christ as a wife submits to her husband, and we submit to Christ by following his word. Now, an earthly husband is imperfect, and submitting to an imperfect husband is not easy. But the church has the perfect husband. We have Christ. His ways are perfect. His will is perfect. So let us gladly submit to the one who has saved us. Let us eagerly grow in holiness as he is holy. Let us eagerly grow in obedience as he was obedient to the Father. And this too, this growing in obedience and holiness, it, it also comes through our, our living union with Christ, through becoming one with Him. You know, Think of, of a husband and, and wife again. After they've been married for a while, they often start to take on each other's characteristics. might start using the same phrases. Maybe they respond to their children in the same manner. Maybe they have similar mannerisms. They become more like each other. And how much more is that, should that not be the case with us in Christ? We are one with him. And this is a spiritual unity. And of course, Christ will never take on our weaknesses, our sinful weaknesses and tendencies. But by the power of the Spirit, we are changed to become like Christ this is also what the Lord's Supper is about, too. We participate in the body and blood of the Lord by faith. And as we grow in faith, also through the Lord's Supper, we grow in our union with Christ. As Ephesians 3 says, Christ lives in our hearts by faith. And as we grow in, in union with Christ, Christ living in our hearts by faith, we're going to become like him Instead of indulging the sinful desires of the flesh, we will learn to say no to them and instead pursue holiness. Instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin for a time, we will learn to say no to them. We will learn to love righteousness. Think again of the head and body illustration. Christ is the head and we, the church, are his body. As a body, it's only natural that we grow to love what our head, Christ, what he loves. As a body, we will grow to love what our head loves. And Christ changes us also as he feeds us with himself. As we confess in Lord's Day 28, we forever live and move and are governed by the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit who dwells in Christ and in us. As we grow to become like Christ, it's also preparing us for eternal life. It's an eternal life that we will be with Christ forever. The scripture speaks of the beginning of that life as a marriage feast of the Lamb. We will celebrate the beginning of eternal life with a, a great wedding feast and what a feast that will be. Christ and his bride, the church, all the members of his church will be together once and for all. Nothing will separate us from him, not even death, because death itself will be no more. And in eternal life, Christ will never stop showering his love upon his church. And that love between Christ and his people will only grow when two Sinful humans get married, may be very excited at the start of their marriage, but there will always, there will always be difficulties. No marriage is perfect. There are things to work through, there are often disagreements, there's imperfect love. But that's not how it will be in eternal life between Christ and his bride. It's a love that will last. It's a love that will not be damaged or ruined. And it's a love that will only grow. And in the Lord's Supper, we get a foretaste of the wedding feast of Christ, where we will be with Him. For we really do have communion with Christ in the Lord's Supper by the power of the Holy Spirit as we partake in faith. And that's also one thing that makes our present circumstances more difficult. We long to experience that foretaste of the coming joy we will have. We want to have that tangible foretaste of the wedding celebration that's coming. Yet, though our circumstances might be uncertain, Christ is faithful. He loves his bride. He will make good on his promises. And he will take us to be with himself to enjoy heavenly glory forever. Amen.